<laughs> I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It's good to see our young people going out there. It's got God praise for our youth, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Love it. I love it. First start out in ministry, that's what I did. Youth ministry. Love it. Do you know that's the second position was I hired at Living Word? was a youth minister after Gail O'Neill. Let us stand and read Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're going to spend our time in verse 9 through verse 11, but we're going to read verse 1 just to give you a taste. And we spent time in verse 6 through verse 8 last week. We'll finish this text as we continue in our series, Saved. What in the world does that mean? Verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The one will hardly die for the righteous man. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than. Having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we also exalt in him through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Dear God, I know this is a tough passage, but you wrote it. and You gave us the Holy Spirit so we could understand it. So, Lord, I pray we'd understand what you've done for us so we live in the glory of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the challenges I ever had as a father was recognizing that no matter what my wife and I did, our kids were exposed to everything. Everything. One of the ways that recognized that was that we were uh, away from the house one day and our uh, oldest son was doing very well playing football at Jersey Village, and we drove to the house, and there are cars up and down in front of our house on the driveway. I couldn't even get into my own driveway. There were cars up and down there, and we walk into the house, and there's a bunch of little girls running around. Well, they didn't stay very long, <laughs> but uh, uh, I remember going in the house, and, and it just dawned on me what they were exposed to. Then I would take time and go through their high school. Every now and then I walked through Jersey Village High School. Thank God the principal got to know me and I got some freedom. So I eat lunch with them and I saw all the stuff that was happening. People cussing in the hallways. People talking in different ways. Girls and guys necking in the hallways. All kind of things. And I said, oh my God. I send my kids here. Willfully send my kids here. Then we pay taxes to support here. What am I doing? Then it dawned on me that after a while, they're going to be going to college. They go in the room when they want to, leave when they want to. And I'm saying, God, what are we doing? What are we doing? So one day, my son came home. I sat on the counter, and I said to him, come on, sit down on the ground. What are you doing, Dad? What's up? Sit down. Okay, cool. I'm sitting on the counter. Just grab my hand. I want you, I want to pull you up here for a minute. Just sit on the ground. Sit on the ground. Grab his hand. And no matter how hard I tried, in them days I had a little bit of muscles, you know what I mean? I, no matter how hard I tried, he pulled me down. I said, son, remember, no matter how high you think you stand, when a man thinks he's strong, make, make, be careful because you're weak. So no matter how bigger I am than you are at this point in time, I could not hold, bring you up. It was easy for you to bring me down. You see, to us, <laughs> we come to a world, we see jobs, we see cars, we see television, we see, you know, the world in front of us. We see all these different things. God doesn't see that. 
God is a spiritual being. What he sees is Satan and demons. What he sees is that to us, when we see the word world in the Bible, we think the word, we think of different countries. But when the word world is mentioned in the Bible, it's talking of a different philosophy. It's talking of a different way of thinking. It's talking about the fact that Satan is going to make sure that the world thinks completely opposite to the way he thinks, to the way God thinks. So the world will tell you, it's okay for two men and two women to come together. God is going to say, no, no, we, we do this where it's opposite sex. The world is going to say, why are you messing with me? This is my option. This is my freedom. And God is going to go, I didn't create it for that purpose. I created to produce children first. That's why you could even have the argument because children were born. The world is different. The world is going to say, hey, listen, man, party. You got one life to live. God is going to say, no, you actually have one life to live in two locations. You got to be focused on the second location, not just on this location. The world has a different way of thinking. The world will come to you and the world will tell you, man, you're young, have fun. Christ would say, yes, you're young, but remember that the days are evil. And if you don't make sure when you look at them, you will have to bear the consequence for every, ex every lifestyle you live 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And then you have to face me later. So why don't we look at this life and do it a different way so 30 years from now you can look back and go, thank you, God. He looks at things different because he's in eternal God. Satan is a temporary type of a being. Everything is temporary. If everything, God is eternal. There's two different ways of thinking. And God knows that every day you wake up, every day you go out there, there's a whole nother way of thinking, a whole nother way of operating, a whole nother way of how people function. And, you, and the fact is that you have to go out there because he tells you to work. You have to go out there because he tells you to have a house and to build your family. You have to go out there. And so what he needs to do is to open up your eyes and grow you so much that when you go out there, the person out there don't kill, steal, and destroy you. See, to us... <laughs> I'm strong to God. You're not wiser than Satan. Satan thinks, Satan used to protect the holiness of God. He was the actual one that knew what the Bible is saying. He's actually protected the holiness of God. That's why he would come to Jesus Christ in the temptation and quote Jesus Christ's scripture. Because he knew the scripture. But he would leave out two words. And the reason why he leave out two words to Jesus the word is because he thinks he's so smart he could trick the word into sinning. So if he thinks he could do that, what do we think we got? Understand. It's no different than when Mike Tyson was in his heyday, me going in the ring said, let's fight. The Bible says, we were helpless. We can't even see this spiritual being that is dangerous and want to kill. We can't see him. So the Bible says we are helpless. We think we could be all these different things. And man, I just, I just smoke a little marijuana every now and then. But we can't stop. Man, I could just go out and drink a little bit now and then, but we can't stop. We got to keep drinking to soothe our feelings, our emotions, our stresses, our problems. And we got to keep soothing everything. Why? Because we're not dealing with the fact that crisis, when you come to me, you could end up being anxious for nothing. That there's a whole different way of thinking, a whole different way of operating. And that's why he says, be in the world, but not of the world. He's saying, don't start thinking like the way the world thinks, because then you will be find yourself that God becomes your enemy. You can't stand here. It's Bible stuff. Why? Man, he says it right there in Romans chapter 8. God will become the enemy. So my sons would walk in the house. I would say to them, I'm not the enemy, man. When we got into tension and arguments, man, I'm telling you, man, if I was the enemy, why am I feeding you? If I'm the enemy, why did I put clothes on you? If I'm the enemy, why we got a house over your head? If I'm the enemy, why in the world am I at the schoolhouse? Why in the one am I trying to get you into college? Why in the one am I struggling to make sure you keep your grades up? Why am I the one? Why is mom and I doing all this stuff if we're the enemy? But because he was learning more information, studying psychology, doing all this stuff in sociology, and getting all this information, and hanging out with friends who said, we are grown at 17, and we got all these rules for him to follow, rules for them to do, and we are the enemy. When we're going, no, we're not the enemy. But the world made them think we're the enemy. And many times we come to God and we think, he's the enemy. When God is saying, oh, I'm not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. And when he's done with you, he takes your liver from alcohol. When he's done with you, he takes your lungs from smoking. When he's done with you, he takes your money and trash you. When he's done with you, he destroys you with anxiety, stress, and depression. When he's done with you, he moves on after he destroys you. I'm looking out for your best. I just don't go about it the way the world does. That's why salvation is deliverance. 
The issue is, how do I experience the salvation so I am delivered? See, we tend to look at salvation and we would say, salvation is going to happen. God is going, I got that. I got a place prepared for you. I've died. I got heaven already set. I've got this paradise already in place. You get there, you don't work, you rest. You don't cry, you don't weep. It's done. I'm not dealing with heaven. Heaven is done. What I'm dealing with is getting you to experience heaven on earth. So the way you come to heaven, you're just walking into paradise because you're already living in a close relationship with me. See, folks, salvation is not going to heaven. That's done. People in the Old Testament went to the bosom of Abraham and eventually would go to heaven. On the cross, salvation is to deliver us from everything Satan can do to us now. So that we walk in the power of God, not in the weakness of the flesh that he saved us from. How in the world does that work? Well, let's take a walk. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 9 for just a second. Verse 9 says the first thing you have to recognize is that you're at peace with God. God ain't mad at you no more. I see people say it all the time. Man, I don't want to do that, man. God mad at me. God ain't mad at you. Oh, no, you don't understand. God, God is mad at me because I did this, I did this. No, he's not. Say, are you serious? God is mad at me. You, you know who I slept with last night. God still ain't mad at you. He said, wait a minute. You don't know how drunk I got this week. Mad at God said, I'm still not mad at you. What? You're a wrong preacher. Let's take a walk. He said, you're at peace with God. What does that mean? Verse 9 says, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Watch this carefully. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So the first thing is, what is this word justified? This is word justified. The word justified, it simply means I am back in line with how God viewed me when he first made me. I'm back in line with that. So the way I look at myself is not the way he sees me when I accept Jesus Christ. He sees me different. He doesn't see me the same. So the question is, how does that happen? Does that happen? See, one day, my son decided that he's going to speed. Now he's going to speed. I ain't telling you which one. I say speed. So he got a ticket. So he got a ticket. But he was balling out of Jersey Village. He was a star at Jersey Village. So he shows up in court. My, my, my wife, it's funny how women do. Women uh, let you be the head of the house in trouble. They, they have that thing they do where there's a lot of trouble going on and she's nervous about her son driving because at that time, people, kids in the woodlands were just dying. It's in wreck, dying, wreck, dying. So she didn't necessarily want him driving. So here he go driving and he got a ticket. He got a ticket. So she looks at me, she goes, that's your son. You got, you got to take care of that. You, if you come your son... <laughs> and you're the head of the house. You know you're in trouble. So I went to court with him, and the judge says, looked at him, he says, you Paul Cannings? Yes. Ah, oh, you don't get, you don't pay for no ticket here. I'm in the back going, okay, that's messed up. So he's walking away. He says, in 30 days, you don't have a ticket in 30 days, you're good to go. So he's walking out the court, and walking out of the Jersey Village courtroom. I was going to look at him and said, stop, son. That's not real. That's not real, son. That's just because you're a star player right now. You don't be a star player tomorrow. You're going to pay the ticket. It's not real, son. See, what happened was he, even though he is just a human being, he lined up with something that the judge liked, football. And because Jersey Village is heading to the playoffs, and he played a serious role in that, the judge don't want to mess him up because he wanted to play to win the playoffs. But at the end of the day, when he jumped, comes out the courtroom, he got on clothes that my wife and I bought. He comes home and he jumps into a car that we bought. 
We pay the insurance on the car, the gas in, well, we pay most of the gas in the car. We fix the car when it's broke. He comes into our house and walks into a house he don't pay for. He comes into this house, he eats food he never bought. He hits lights he never paid for. He goes and mess with the thermostat like he crazy when he know he ain't supposed to. He turns on the water, let it run forever while he waits for it to warm up to take a shower. See, he has all these privileges because he's born into our family. And because he's born into our family, he has the privilege of being in our family despite the fact that somebody could accuse him of something. So if he got the ticket because he doesn't really have a job because he's playing football, who gets to pay the ticket? We get to pay the ticket. We got to find a punishment for him because he's in our family. God is saying, you are in my family. I feed you every day. I clothe you every day. Every day when you need to eat something, I make a chicken have a chicken. You could buy the chicken, but I got to make the chicken. You could buy the steak, but I got to make the steak. You can, you can breathe in air, I got to make sure you could breathe. I got to make sure that you have tires that come from trees. I got to make sure you have lettuce seeds that come from cows. I got to put oil reservoirs in the ground. I got to take care of you every day by making sure when you're on the highway because you're one of my saved people, I keep you, watch over you, protect you. I got to make sure that when people People are jobless, you still have a job. I got to make sure that when disease come in your body, I pluck it out because it's not your time. There's a time to live and a time to die. If it's not your time, I pluck it out. The only reason I do that is because Jesus Christ paid it all on Calvary's cross. And because he paid it all on Calvary's cross, when you show up in this courtroom, now nah, you got a star player, you can't be touched. You could leave from here because everything has been settled for you, period. That's why the Bible is saying, you may go into God's courtroom, but he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus because you're justified. Now, now understand why that is huge. Why would he put blood in this verse and death in the next verse? The reason why he put blood in this verse is because blood represents life. So in the Old Testament, when a man, when, when, when a man has to make a covenant, he, he, he killed an animal. Both of them people walk between, the, uh, they cut the animal in half, the animal bleeds out, and they walk in the blood. That's how they settle the contract. Jesus Christ, would say, God would settle a contract through animals that would make them kill animals to bring the animal before him because that blood says, I remember the contract I have with Abraham. Remember the contract I have through Moses when you shed blood. But understand this for a minute. If you are bringing an animal for every sin you commit, they would say Mount Zion is a literal mountain and on the mountain is where the temple is. And when they kill animals, the blood will flow down the side of the mountain. So when you're walking through Jerusalem and you look at Mount Zion, the side of the mountain is like crimson. It's just, it's like blood everywhere flowing. And it would constantly do it. So just watch for a minute. If a person went and took their animal and they walked away and started cussing, Oh my God, I got to go get me another animal. That's why the money changing table was a rich business. I got to get my, another animal. I got to kill it. Okay, I just messed up. Forgive me of my sins. Okay, God, priest, you better not sin because if you mess up, sin is still on me. Okay, I'm walking out here. Oh man, I just got into a fight. I got to go get another animal. Jesus Christ says, on Calvary's cross, I shed my blood for all your sins. Every last one of them. So if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So every time you come to God because you choose to be saved and you say, oh God, I've sinned. He says, I see the blood. Oh God, I've sinned. I see the blood. Oh God, I've sinned. I see the blood. Forgive me of the sin, God. You've been forgiven. You've been forgiven because I see the blood. Because it's paid for everything you've ever committed. Every sin that I think I know that you're going to commit, I made sure Christ paid for it. So there's no more need for blood. That's why you are justified by his blood. Because I could stand in the holy presence of God, sinful, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me. Now, now, folks, that's why he says in Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation 
in Jesus Christ. So the issue is, since I am justified and I stand in the presence of God, he says, like in the Old Testament when they sinned, folk died in the wilderness. When they sinned, a nation was condemned and scattered. He says, you no longer have wrath from me. Watch this, folks. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. You no longer have wrath because if you accept the blood of Jesus Christ, you are saved from this wrath because he paid for everything and sustained you. Okay, hold up a minute. Let me stop for a minute. Stop for a minute. You see, some people say to me, man, I don't believe in no. You got to accept Jesus Christ in your life to go to heaven. There is, what are you talking about? How do you even know that Jesus existed? I, I, I look at them when they tell me this stuff, and I say, how do you know Martin Luther King existed? You weren't there. Were you there? Do you believe that Abraham Lincoln existed? Yes. Were you there? I say, you know what? When you pump your gas into your car, do you see it? Well, when you go in the car, you see full, you believe it. But do you see it? Well, I smell it. How you know it's gas? You see, there's a whole lot of things you don't see, but you believe. A whole lot of things. So you say, well, how do you know Jesus Christ lived? Come on, man. Jesus Christ was at Peter's house. He was a human being, fully God, fully man. He was at Peter's house. You go to Peter's house and knock his out. Hey, Jesus, what's up? You're right there. He walked around the streets. He only went from 300 miles of journeys. He never left that area. So people saw him day by day by day. You look at the Roman history books. They said they nailed Jesus on the cross. If you go to your history books, they show you that Abraham Lincoln lived. And they talk about him being killed. So you, you believe it. Martin Luther King walked around. You believe it. So if you believe somebody shot Martin Luther King and you believe he's buried there in Atlanta, how come you can't believe in Jesus? You say people saw him. People saw him after the resurrection. 500 people. If you got in jail and somebody said, only one witness say, yep, they did it. I saw them. You stay in jail. Jesus Christ had 500 witnesses after the resurrection. 500. How do you not believe 500? That's why he says, if a person does not believe in me, they condemn themselves. They can't come to me and say, and when, they get, when they get up from the grave and go, oh my God, I'm going to hell? Oh my God, how am I going to hell? I should have believed in Jesus. He says, you can't say, Jesus, you should have told me. Come on, Jesus. No, man, I had television, radio, churches on every corner. I had Bible stores selling books. How are you going to tell me you couldn't believe? You condemned yourself. I didn't condemn you. You could remove the condemnation by accepting me but you chose not to. When I gave you facts after fact after fact after fact after fact after fact that I rose from the grave and I died on a cross. But you believe a Buddha, you believe a Muhammad, that he never got up from the grave. So don't tell me you can't believe in something. You believe in the Texans going to the Super Bowl, you buy tickets every year. And they still invaded in 30 years and you still believe. Don't tell me that. You jump in a car, you know it's a used car, and you drive it at 70 miles an hour. You have yet to check the brakes. You jump in a plane, you never met the pilot, and you put on a black seat belt like that's gonna make a difference when you hit the ground at a thousand miles an hour. And you believe them? What are you telling me you can't believe? You believe in your job so much you go get bills. For 30 years. Who promised you a job for 30 years? For 30 years you get a note and get excited about a house you call you own when you're written from the bank. And you get this and you say, look at me. I got a job. I got a house. For how long do you have it if the job goes out? You're so committed to your job. They tell you they have direct deposit and you, sell the, you send the bills out the night before. Don't tell me you can't believe. 
If a person believes, I justify them. I wipe out all of their sins so that God can be at peace with them because they need him. The question is, how do I experience that peace? Because the Bible says, I can't just keep sinning because God forgives me. So because that's not any good. And I'll show you why. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look down to verse 14. Here's why you're at peace with God. In verse 14 he says, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, who broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. What does that mean? When you go to the temple, they had a barrier. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch, he was a proselyte. The, the Gentiles would go to the temple. The, not, the supposed pagan people would go to the temple. But if they crossed that barrier, they had soldiers, Jewish soldiers, with, with daggers, and they would kill them. Because you cannot come in to this place that is holy as a pagan. You got to be a Jew, have a covenant with God in order to cross that barrier. Jesus Christ came and he tore the barrier down so that we can walk into the presence of God. He didn't only just do that. What he did was he took the veil and twisted and tore it into two so that we could not just be in the temple, we could be in the holies of holies. You know, I, I got in trouble when we were building the sanctuary because I wanted to put right at the door, when you're coming through the middle door, into his holiness. It is holies of holies. Oh my God, you're going you're to freak people out, man. So it's actually the truth. It's actually the truth. When we come to church, we see this church. The Bible sees when the people of God come together, he comes into your presence. When you separate, he stays inside of you as his presence in you. But when you come to church, he says, when my people gather, the, the, the body of Christ is together. Christ is the head of the church. And because of that, because the priest is in his proper place, and I, I could now come into his holy ho of holies. I am into his holies of holies. He says, I rented it in two. So you don't just come into the temple. You come into the holies of holies. He says, since you're in the holies of holies and you can't drop dead like the priests used to. If a priest come in there with one sin, they used to come in just once in their lifetime, tie a rope around them, and they would go in the holies of holies. If they talk and he doesn't pull back, guess what they know? He's dead. And they pull him out. Because he couldn't go in there with no sins. He would die. The Bible is saying because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you could walk up in there and live. Because he views you because of the justification in the right place with God. He views you as holy. So therefore, since we are holy in his eyes, he says, you could be in my presence and I'm at peace with you. Folks, you see, you're not, you're not feeling me. The wrath of God is a huge thing. Let me tell you why. God can't handle sin. He hates sin. He doesn't hate sin because he just hates sin. He hates sin because Satan does so much damage to his kids with it. Every child is a gift from God. Whether they're good or not good, they're still a gift from God. So not a person doesn't have to be good to be a gift from God. He's going to be born to be a gift of God. So when Satan messes with somebody, they're messing with God's kids. So God hates sin because it keeps destroying his kids. So God was so angry at sin for taking so many of his kids the wrong way that he beat up Christ. If you want to know the wrath of God, look at the beating Jesus Christ got. Jesus Christ was beaten to a pulp, and he didn't sin to show that when God got, is finally got a chance to be able to beat on somebody for the sin of, of man, that person wouldn't sin, so his wrath has been satisfied. <laughs> okay, you're not with me. In England, they have maids, people, who will help raise the, the next king to come. Okay? That's what they have. But the person who takes care of that king can't beat the king because they're a subject of the king. So what they would do with this child is raise this child and get a best friend, best friend, best friend. 
So this child will be so in love with their best, 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 best friend. So when the child misbehaves, they would whip the best friend and make the child feel so bad that the child would try to save the best friend. That way the, the child would change his behavior because the subject could not beat the, the prince. They can't beat the next king. God is saying, I can't beat you. So what I did was I got you a friend. What kind of man is this that would lay down his life for a friend? I put such a beating on him, it hopefully should make you so desire Jesus Christ that that beating should make you go, oh my God, he did this for me. He took a beating for me. He didn't turn away from me. I mean, they, they whipped his back. He still did it for me. They put, the, they put nails in his feet. He did it for me. They put her nails in his hands, and he still kept doing it for me. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and he still kept doing it for me. Oh, my God. They put a spear in his side, and he still kept doing it for me. He would look at the guy on the cross and say, I will see you in paradise. I look at the people mocking him. I say, God, forgive them. He kept doing it for me. Oh, my God. I don't want to sin anymore because he's doing it for me. That's why he's saying, God don't beat you no more. You could now be in his presence and he could see who to beat. And he would say, satisfied, you're good. The question is, <laughs> since sin keeps messing up relationship with God, how can I have a relationship with God when I know I still sin. <laughs> Since sin is always messing it up. Let, let, let's face it. Let's face it. Let's face it. Okay? <laughs> you know, I need to tell you all the story about Pierre. Could he be telling too much stuff on me? Telling too much stuff on me, you know? So I'm going to tell you all the story about Pierre. I know y'all, y'all may be anxious to hear it. I used to, I told Pierre, I said, Pierre, I think he told you all the story. I said, Pierre, listen, if you get good grades, Pierre and Paul, if you get good grades and you get a scholarship, you get a car. You saved us money, you got a car. But Pierre, the test car is this raggedy Volvo that they tow up. My Volvo, they tow it up, so it got raggedy. For, for a Volvo, it was raggedy. So, Pierre liked to ride like this. That is a whole lot of white folk in our neighborhood. I come home, he puts speakers in the back, shirt off, short pants on, wasn't red, and he is washing the car. He's vibrating. I mean, he's vibrating loud. I said, son, these folk don't like that music. Dad, I'm just watching the car, having some fun. So he just, so he's right. I said, Pierre, you got to stop going this far back. You can't even, so I, 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 literally, I literally sat in the car next to him. Go back. Tell me what you see. <laughs> just, just tell, if you see what you're supposed to see, I'm good. But my wife is going to kill me if you get hurt. Because she don't play with her babies. So tell me what you see. Oh, Dad, I see what I got to see. I'm cool. So he, he went out, he did his work, got a scholarship, bought him a car. One week later, he took the speakers, he put it back in the back of that car. I said, son, the trunk is, the purpose of a trunk is for, for, for luggage. Ah, Dad, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. All right. I got this, I got this, I got this. I said, okay. He got the speakers, he got his job, he put it back there, and the car, when I sat in it one day, it just vibrated. I said, oh my God, I can't even talk to you. What is the point of this? We're riding, and all I can do is sit here. He said, Dad, man, just, just enjoy the music. So one day he's riding, going to school. Boom! Made the turn. Didn't see the person coming. Tore up his new car. 
It's a new car. <laughs> new car. Wasn't a Volvo. New car. I that day was an Eclipse, Mitsubishi Eclipse. That's what it was. He picked him one of them. He wanted rims and all that. So I raced home because all I heard was Pierre was in a wreck. Pierre, when he gets into trouble, is like a little puppy. <laughs> Just sitting back like, hey, Dad. I said, son, the first thing is, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I said, son, how will you drive? The way you told me not to? I said, son, you tore up your car, man. All right. You know you ain't having it back for a minute. You're grounded. Now, when the car got fixed, who got it back? Pierre. When the car was fixed, who drove it? Pierre. Did Pierre go get a job that paid the insurance to fix it? Did Pierre go out into the place where the people who had to, who had to kick out all them dents, did he go in there and fix that? No, he didn't do any of that. All Pierre did was accepted what the, the punishment was, chose to change how he drive. Because I literally said, all right, let me see what you can do now. Punishment is done, car is back, here are the keys. I don't know if he changed it later, but he looked like me in the car the next time around. He was sitting up, oh, the music's still going. But he is sitting up, kind of, not all the way like up like me, but a little bit back. And he looked at me, he said, okay. Son, could you see? Oh, I could see now, I could see now, I could see now. I could see, I could see, I could see, I could see. You see, he didn't have a wreck after that. And the relationship between him, his mom especially, because that's, that's her baby, I don't care, that's her baby. His mom especially, because he adjusted his seat. What God is saying is, no, Pierre didn't stop being our child. Pierre didn't stop coming to the house. Pierre didn't stop owning the car. Pierre didn't stop going to Jersey Village. Pierre didn't stop going to college. All those things still stayed in place. Why? Because he's our child. God is saying to us, in, go back now to, Matthew, to Romans chapter 5, God is saying this to us in verse 10. He says, for even though you were enemies, you were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, ye shall be saved by his life. Watch this carefully. Because we have a relationship with God, we may sin. But God says, oh, I'm not mad at you. But I'm going to, Jesus Christ would hold you accountable for your sin. Not me, because I'm not mad at you. Because you're going to get everything back. Why? Because you have a relationship with me. But if you don't adjust the seat, you keep having wrecks. If you don't adjust the seat, you're going to have a wreck again. If you don't adjust the seat, you're going to have a wreck again. And every time you have a wreck, you don't have a relationship with me that is going well. Because now I got to fix you. I got to stop you from doing this. I got to stop you from doing that. I got to stop you from doing that. Because you would not adjust the seat. So the Bible is saying, don't keep sinning because I want a reconciled relationship with you. And all I'm asking you to do is adjust your life to my standards. Adjust your life to my standards. Adjust your life to my standards so that even though you have the car, you're in the family, you're blessed to be in the family, you don't have to be punished by the family because you have been, you have adjusted your seat. You can have a relationship with me that is good. Look at Romans chapter 6. Walk with me. Walk with me verse, look at verse 1. What shall we then say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. How shall we die, who died to sin still live in it? Ooh, what is he saying? How can we who have died to sin still live in sin when we have died to it? Pierre, sitting up. I mean, 
He still ain't fully sitting up, but he's sitting up. Pierre died to the way he thought. He died to his commitment to look cool. He died to his commitment to ride up on campus, riding around, what's up, all that stuff, warning out my gas. Because now he's going, man, listen, Dad, I thought you were going to kill me, man. Thank you, Dad. I ain't going to mess up no more. That made his relationship work better. Because he didn't take the, the, the insurance fixing it, the parents doing that, for granted. And keep doing, hey man, I got it back. Come on, let's just ride. So the relationship with the parents kept getting better to the point where the trust level got so much, he could stop going from the house to school and start getting on the highway. He could start going from the house to the school and stop going to the mall. He could stop getting from the house to the school and now he could take his girlfriend Monica out in his car. The reason why we could add somebody to the car is because we see we could be trusted. The reason why we could give him more distance to go is because he was trusted. And that's why the Bible is saying you don't want to keep sinning so grace would abound because it's something you've died for and God has already blessed you to overcome it. And since he's blessed you to overcome it, focus on what the reconciled relationship does for you more than what the sin is doing to you. Don't worry about what the sin is doing to you. Focus on what the reconciliation could do for you. So the question becomes, how do I get the sin on the check so I can enjoy the reconciliation? Here it is. Glad you asked. Look at verse 6 of chapter 6. Verse 6 of chapter 6. He says this. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that no, we are no longer slaves to sin. For we have died, is freed from sin. We have been delivered. We are, our salvation has delivered us from this flesh that keeps guiding us to sin. Let me explain it this way. In Matthew chapter 6, he said the eye can lead us to sin. So what does Satan do? Satan messes with these eyes. How do you know he does that? Satan will bring pornography to sex. If he brings pornography to sex, the Bible says it darkens the whole body. So sex becomes pornography. So instead of waiting on marriage, I have sex before marriage because I can't maintain myself anymore because I'm constantly storing myself with pornography. When he does that, all of a sudden, there are 39 sexual diseases I got to mess with. When two people are married and are together and never are unfaithful to each other, not one disease ever messes with them. Outside of the marriage, 39. One of them could kill them because they're in Satan's world and he just used the eye to put them in that world and to make them so love something that God made holy and make it negative so that when he does that, he destroys them because they are, he knows they're connected to the flesh and the flesh loves it. I made them male and female so to be fruitful and multiply. So he knew this, that the, the flesh loves sex because God made it with a burning desire for it. So he creates, he knows these eye gates could make the whole body dark. So he creates, he creates pornography. By doing that, folks are unfaithful to marriage. There's diseases everywhere. So God is saying, watch the eye gate. I never saved it. So you now have to present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. So when, it's like this man told me once, he said, listen, man, I go in a hotel room, and when you're in a hotel room and you're traveling, sometimes you get in the room late, meetings are late, and it's true. It's true. I have to be accountable for my, to my wife about this. You're traveling, and you go in a hotel room, it's late. They get home from a meeting late, and you're just tired. You're sitting back, you're just flipping channels. And there it is. I have to be accountable to my wife. Now, babe, I'm home. Let's talk. What am I looking at with my wife on the phone? 
Why? Satan knows that. The man decided, you know what I'm going to do? When I get to any hotel, I'm taking the TV and put it in the hallway. Okay? Because he knew. My flesh loves this. It's going to gravitate to it because I made you male and female. And this is a burning. So Satan knows I can get you. All I got to do is bring it to the eye gate. Here's the second thing. Y'all got quiet. I need to preach on that some more. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what does he do with he, he takes another thing that he could corrupt in the flesh the mind the world has a different philosophy a different way of thinking so when the world has a different way of thinking guess what Satan does he puts us in college we now know sociology and psychology and we know that man was born good he just got messed up in the world God is going no man is born depraved we need to save him Satan gets us a sociology and we now have sociology oh we're so smart we could put people on the moon we don't necessarily need God. We are smart, man. We could put together internet and you could talk to somebody like this. You could get WhatsApp and talk to people. We got this together. Who needs God? So people come to church to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when they come and when they go, and to go to heaven. And God is going, no, 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 no. I need to save you from earth by renewing your mind. I get you to think the way the Word of God thinks, not the way the world thinks. If you think, keep thinking the way the world thinks, it destroys you. So that's why he says, the eye, the mind, the tongue never got saved. Some folk could say, press you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I'm cussing the fire. <laughs> Y'all feel me? Somebody cutting them in the church parking lot. Blankety, blankety, blank. <laughs> oh, Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The child in the backseat do something. I'm going to, hmm, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> the tongue never got saved. And that's why he's saying, if you're going to keep this relationship great, Present yourself to me so I can keep working on you so that the relationship between you and I is constantly growing. And because it's constantly growing, I'll let you ride. I'll let you ride. That's why he says, when that happens, verse 11 says, oh yeah, we are, can be saved by his life. So it leads to worship. It leads to worship. Ah, oh, I wish we had time to get into verse 9. But I, 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 uh, I love this for this reason. I love this for this reason. If a person walks out of here today and they sin, well, when we walk out of here and we sin, let me fix that. The Bible says again, the Bible says, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So God, I confess it. You're cool. All right, now God, teach me is the step. How do I now live? Because he says, I have saved you to live. In other words, I've saved you with a life inside of you that will live through you if you just learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, not the flesh. How do we connect to the Holy Spirit, not the flesh? Because when I connect to the Holy Spirit and not the flesh, he says, I'm constantly saving you. That's why you work out your salvation. So you're delivered. You don't sin as much. As a result, if you don't sin as much, when you come into my presence, you feel strong and confident. You feel great and mighty. Because you know what? I had a good week, girl. I had a great week. I had a wonderful week. Why? Because I confessed my sin, and now I am dealing with presenting my body as a living sacrifice, and the Spirit of God starts to grow in me. The question is, what does he do for me when I choose to depend on him? What does he do for me? Oh, the Spirit of God does a lot. 
I wish I had time today. He does a lot for you. If I just decide, it's all God is saying is have a will to be holy. Just have a will and I got you. Let me put it this way. Standard illustration for this. Years ago when I went to the gym, I did not inject muscles. Okay, it, it doesn't look like it right now. But once upon a time, <laughs> by and by the morning did come. But once upon a time, once upon a time, I used to wrestle with my boys, fight with them. Because I used to work out. Work out, I got some muscles. You know it was embarrassing? It was embarrassing. One day, they both came home from college after lifting weights. This is a side item. I ain't got nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> they came home from college, and I throw Paul on the bed, and Paul says, Pierre, come. Man, them boys grabbed me, threw me on the bed. Both of them are working out playing football in college. They held me down. Pierre held my feet. Paul held my hands, and they go, you can't beat us no more. <laughs> Man, that was humbling. You know, you, know, you know what's funny about it? I had some thoughts come through my head that I thought died. <laughs> and they're my kids. But them thoughts came through my head. I was like, I got to give me a stick. I got to give me something. I mean, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. God's, hallelujah. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> it did come out of my head. That's the truth. I just like, oh, they can't do this to me, man. Come on, man. <laughs> in them days, and I was working out in them days. In them days, my wife liked it, believe me. <laughs> but in them days, <laughs> she's searching for a six-pack right now, but in them days, I didn't have to put an injection of muscles in my hand. They're already there. I went to the gym, and I was working out because the muscles kept getting better and better and better. The six-pack started showing up. Because it was already there. The Bible is saying the Holy Spirit was poured into us at salvation. He's already there. So if you decide, the Bible says, to let him become who empowers you, you could face whatever problems you have in this life and lift any weight. Doesn't matter what the weight is, you can lift it. That's why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because Paul says, I no longer live, it is Christ that lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. In other words, what he's saying is, you are now functioning in his strength, not my strength. And the Bible is saying, the Spirit of God does a lot for us. Number one, he says, he reminds us of Scripture. If we just study it, when time comes, he'll bring it up to our minds. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, the Bible says, the Spirit of God, he would come to us when we're reading the Bible because we have a desire to do it, he'll make it open up and go, wow, I never knew that's what it meant. The Spirit of God would illuminate it. When I sin, he would convict me. Oh, you know better, Paul. Paul, come on, man. You know better than that. He convict me. The Spirit of God starts to work inside of me. Keep helping me over and over again. When I miss church, I got to go to church. I got to hear a word from God. When I don't read my Bible, he makes me thirst to read the Bible. When I don't pray, he says, you got to go pray now. Come on, come on, come on. You haven't been praying in a while. You got to pray. The Spirit of God will make you pray. Read the Bible, remind you of the Bible, convict you when you're wrong, illuminate the Scripture, guide you into truth. The Bible said the Spirit of God will do all of this. Why? God wants for us to be saved into His life. That's why we're delivered. <laughs> That's why He says, this is what brings the blessing. We don't have time to go there. We're out of time already. Y'all, please don't tell Pierre how long I preached. He's already mad at me for going somewhere else. People want blessings. This is verse 11 I'm preaching, summarizing it. People want blessings. And I keep going. We don't have time to go read this verse that says, we are now, chapter 8, we now have the inheritance. We're now heirs. We're now heirs of God. What does that mean? <laughs> I keep telling my boys when they come to the house. I said, if anything happened to your mom and I, we're going on this trip, we're going out of the country, in that file cabinet is the will. Follow it. Follow it. Oh, come on, Dad. We, want, we don't want to go read a will. Inside of that cabinet, there's a will. It's all set. Preach it. Don't, don't forget. It's, it's built on a legacy. 
They didn't have to buy a house. They didn't have to buy a car. They didn't have everything. If we were to die, it's left to them, and they didn't work for none of it. The Bible says, we keep asking God, bless me in the city, bless me in the fields, bless me in the He says, why are you doing that when I told you you inherited everything? The problem is you don't want to stay connected to the person who in gave you the inheritance. Let, let me put it this way. There was a young man walking on the beach with his mom and dad, walking on the beach with his mom and dad, and the mom and dad says to him, oh, you know, we're getting older. When we die, the will is already done. He says, well, where's the will? Oh, you don't have to worry about it. Don't worry about it. And they kept walking. Every day they go walking. He says, why don't y'all tell me where the will is? He, they go, because you're not in it. What would be the point of telling you what the will is when you are not in it? So how could I not be in it? I'm your child. How are you going to put the other two siblings in there, not me? She says, well, this is what we did. We took all the stuff we own and put a cash value to it. All the stuff we own. We put a cash value to everything we own. Because you were on drugs, we had to pay for you to get out of drugs. Over and over again, we had to pay. You went to school and took seven years to graduate. You know how much money that cost us? You go to jobs and lose them. That's why you're walking on the beach, living in our beach house today. We've been feeding you all the time. So when we added up everything we did for you and added up what we got left for them, ain't nothing left for you. You already got what you deserve. God is saying if you stay in sin, I want to bless you, but I keep having to work with you so you got everything you deserve. But if you choose to be in my will and walk in my will and do what I say, you got blessings that come from heaven and I will keep blessing you day after day after day after day after day because you stay in my will. But when you don't stay in my reconciliation, I got to keep fixing you, fixing you, fixing you, fixing you. So when come time to bless you, you already used it all up. So we keep saying, God bless me. He's going, reconcile, be with me, enjoy the relationship that came from the reconciliation by respecting holiness, by staying in my will. And I'll bless you. So people keep saying, touch this to be blessed. Grab this to be blessed. Hold on. I going, what are you doing that for? Live in the inheritance. You know, one day I was excited because um, my son came home one day and he had all these boxes. And he said, Mama, I bought you something for your kitchen. I said, Look at here. Got all this stuff for mama for the kitchen. I go, wow. Then I thought about it for a minute. He came to a woman's kitchen and bought her something for her kitchen to hang in her kitchen? A woman in her kitchen? I thought I raised somebody got some sense. So I said nothing. I just sat down. I got to watch this. His mom opens the box. She goes, oh, I've always wanted these. I've always wanted these. This is great. Then they started decorating the kitchen. I'm going, what? <laughs> then she started cooking for him when she did not cook at that time for me. <laughs> this is twisted. I said it. I didn't like it. Then it dawned on me. When they're on spring break, they mama, a matter of fact, Pierre said this, had them do spring cleaning. So they spend every spring break, at least part of it, doing spring cleaning, redecorating the house. And she redecorate the house, take down blinds, wash them, put them back up, put on fresh blinds sometimes, redo stuff, go into the corners of the house, redecorate, structure everything out, because that's her time in the middle of the year before Christmas to get everything straight. I said, wait a minute. He's been redecorating this house. So when he came to the kitchen, he knew what to bring because he's been redecorating the house. 
So he ends up blessed because he listened to the redecorations when he didn't want to do it. God is saying, I want to redecorate your life. But some of you don't want me to redecorate your life. I want to redecorate your eyes. I want to redecorate your hands. I want to redecorate your heart. I want to redecorate your feet. I want to redecorate your mind. I want to redecorate your, your tongue. But sometimes if you let me, when come time for me to tell you, when come time for you to please me, you'll know how to please me. And because you know how to please me, I'll bless you. Yeah. Folks, we're delivered. We're the ones that keep ourselves trapped. We're the ones that allow ourselves to let the eye gate, the mouth gate, in all kinds of directions. We're the ones when the Bible says we are free from it so that we can enjoy this reconciliation with God that Adam and Eve had in the cool of the evening, spending time with them, interacting with them. When they could enjoy that, have a good time with that, they could have a good time together. They could spend time together. But they went to that tree. Why did they go to that tree? Satan met them at the tree. The Bible is saying, when you get to the tree in the New Testament, I convict you of sin. I remind you of the scriptures. I bring you to church out of this crazy world to renew your mind. I'm working hard because you're my child. And I've delivered you from everything Satan can do when you go out in that world. So once a week, I draw you away from his crazy way of thinking to renew your mind. So you and I can have such a good relationship, I can bless you. Because you don't have to struggle with sin anymore. If you just allow me to build into your life and deliver you from all things. You're delivered. Stop living like a slave. Let us stand.